0: Hello good people and welcome back to a brand new episode, of brand new week of the Carefree and Black Diaries podcast. I am the host of this podcast and my name is Shakira. I feel really good today. I feel really good today and I hope that you are feeling well as you are listening to this episode, whether it be the day it came out or a week or a month later. I hope that this episode still finds you in good spirits. If not, I hope that throughout the duration of this episode that you find yourself feeling lifted a little less burdened as time goes on because I feel good and it feels good to say I feel good because I haven't felt good for the past two or three weeks or so so anyway I just wanted to say that first, but welcome back to a new episode. If it's not your first time hearing my voice, thank you for coming back. You're a part of our carefree family. Thank you for joining us again. And if it is your first time hearing my voice, you're probably new here. So go ahead and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you're using to listen to this podcast on so you can become a part of our carefree family as well. We look forward to having you. So we're going to have our carefree updates right after this, a break from our sponsors, and then our topic of the day, which I am very excited about, oddly enough, because I feel like it's something that I needed to hear and break down first before I brought it to you all. And I hope that it's going to be helpful and beneficial to you as well. So let's get into it. Do you all remember last week when I told you all about the Ahmad Aubrey case where he was a jogger and he was jogging in his neighborhood? And apparently, he had stopped for water breaks at this home. And these two white men killed him, shot him in the middle of the street like he was a dog. Now, I don't remember if I also told you all about Breonna Taylor and Sean Reed during that episode. Because, to be honest, I was really overwhelmed just talking about it. Because the information was so fresh, so new. And it still is, but I can talk about it a little more now. Um, But apparently the Sean Reed case in which he was leading the police on a high-speed chase now granted I have not seen this video at all because it's just only so much I can take it's only so much I can take and I had already seen the Ahma Arbery video and I was like you know what Mm -mm. I, I can't subject myself to seeing it so I did hear, though, that in that video, one of the police officers, after the shots rang out, and I forgot how many times they shot him, but one of the police officers, he commented, granted, they didn't know that he was on live, he was on Facebook live at the time, so... And I think he had about 3,000 people watching. So that was 3,000 witnesses watching everything and hearing everything go down. But apparently one of the police officers said during that live, he was like, "Um, looks like it's going to be a closed casket, homie, like a joke. So that police officer is now suspended from um the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police. But here's the thing. When I read the headline, I was like, oh, good. But then it hit me that suspended does not mean fired. He's still getting paid. So I click on the article and I continue to read it. And apparently he has been suspended, but he's also been reassigned. So he is still working. And that's the thing that gets me like they things like this happen. They kill people. And then the police officers involved are like reassigned air quotes or just at home right now with pay and it's like how much are our lives worth because it seems like it's worth nothing and in that same you know breath yesterday I was watching the news and I was listening to Al Sharpton talk to Ben Crump and also Breonna Taylor's mother now, if you all don't know who Breonna Taylor is, if you haven't heard her story yet, Breonna Taylor was an award-winning EMT. She was home at the time with her boyfriend, and I had you know, read the stories and heard people talking about it, but... To actually hear her mother recount the story of what happened that night, it just broke my heart yesterday. So here's what she said on the news. She said that she was at home sleeping and Breonna Taylor's boyfriend, I can't remember his name, but he called her and said that he felt like someone was trying to break into their apartment. And here's the thing, like, at first I was like, why would he call her mom and not the police? But then, bing, 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 light bulb came on. It was the police that broke in. So what would that have been worth? So he calls her mother and he's like, I think someone's trying to break in. She's like, you know, asking him these questions. But then she drops the phone and the phone gets disconnected. So she's trying to call him back. He's not answering. She's trying to call Brianna back. She's not answering the phone. So she's like, okay, let me get some clothes on and get over here. She drives to Brianna Taylor's apartment and her boyfriend's apartment. And the police are lining the street like they are everywhere. So she finds one and she's like, hey, I got a call from my daughter's boyfriend. And apparently something is going on. I just need to know what's going on with my daughter. Her name is Brianna Taylor. The police officer that she was talking to in that moment told her, well go to the um go to the hospital the local hospital because she's on her way to the hospital hmm so her mother drives to the hospital she arrives there she asks one of the nurse on duty you know at the desk like something's going on with my daughter they told me to come here that she's on her way here her name is Brianna Taylor the nurse checks and tells her we don't have any record of that person, but maybe she's still on the way. So just, you know, sit down, hold tight and wait on her arrival. Her mother waits at the hospital for two hours before a nurse eventually says like, hey, um, we still haven't had any word of this person showing up. So I don't think she's coming here. So her mother, two hours later, y'all, can you imagine being a mother, having something happen to your child and, you know, waiting hours and hours and hours on end, being given the runaround? So she goes back to Brianna's apartment. The street is a little bit clearer, but there are still plenty of police out. And she asked another police officer, hey, I talked to someone earlier. Something's going on. With my daughter at her apartment. They told me to go to the hospital. The hospital said that they have no record of her. What is going on? The police officer asked her, get this. The police officer asked her, um, Do you know anyone that will want to hurt Brianna and her boyfriend? And her mom is like, Absolutely not, you know? And so then he asked, or she asked, I'm not sure the gender. They asked, Well,. Would her boyfriend want to hurt her? And, you know, at this point, like I'm watching this on TV and I'm giving a mean side eye because we all know how this ended. And for this officer to be even putting these ideas in her mother's head, knowing D well that the police were the ones that shot her is insane to me. So they ask her, well, would her boyfriend want to hurt her? And her mom was like, no, he would never put a hand on her. Like, what is going on? So she's like, well, where is her boyfriend? I wish I could remember his name. It starts with a K. Um, where is he? And the police officer is like, oh, he's being questioned, you know, detained. He's down at the station. And eventually, I heard someone say 12 hours later. She didn't say how long on the news, but hours later, it wasn't until hours later that they said that Brianna's body was still inside the apartment. She had been shot eight times Eight times and she was In her bed in her underwear I just cannot imagine The fear because you You've been startled out of your sleep Before like even if something Falls in your room And it scares you and wakes you up You know how you feel being startled Out of your sleep so I can only imagine How startled and how Fearful she may have felt When those shots started going off In the apartment and they let Over 20 rounds go One of the bullets flew into a neighboring apartment, into a five-year-old's bedroom where the five-year-old was sleeping. And imagine if that bullet struck that five-year-old. The carelessness, the disregard for human life, and the fact that they already had the person that they were looking for in custody and they still went to the wrong address is just... Beyond me It's beyond comprehension And my mom and a professor that I had At Florida A&M University My freshman year when I took um, College experience First year college experience She would always say you cannot make sense out of nonsense and you will drive yourself crazy trying to make sense out of things that do not make sense. And this is one of those things that as much as I try to wrap my head around it and try to make it make sense and try to find where things could have went wrong, it just does not make sense. And there's no way possible for me to flip and turn this thing every which way in my head and try to make it make sense because it won't. And it's, ridiculous and I was talking to my friend Jasmine earlier this week because I sent her one of the articles and she was just like what do we even do you know we march we protest we get shirts we take pictures we use hashtags but what else is there to do what more can we do and I don't know when Tamir Rice can be killed on a playground for playing with a toy gun When Trayvon Martin can be killed by a neighborhood watch on his way home with tea and Skittles and a hoodie. When Breonna Taylor and EMT can be shot dead in her bed where she felt like she was safe away from harm. And so many other stories that we hear every year, every year, repeatedly over and over again and it just feels like more names keep getting added to the list it's like what can we do I don't know I don't know the answer to that but I hope that something can happen where we can just have some crazy turn of events where white people recognize their privilege one And two, where they become better allies Because we can't do it on our own We can't do this by ourselves We can't do it alone We need allies and we need strong allies And allies that are verbal And allies that aren't afraid to speak up and speak out And not just when they are in conversation with black people But actually when they are in conversation with their friends Their families, their grandparents That's what we need That is what we need. We need strong allies. And that's the only way I see this thing changing. That's the only way I see this thing changing. But that's all I have for our carefree updates. I did want to give you all that bit of information because I felt like it was important to share. Now, here's a break from our sponsors. And then we're going to hop into our topic of the day. Alright, so what originally caused me or prompted me to want to make this particular topic the topic for this week was a tweet that I saw by someone on Twitter. And I wish I knew her at name, but when I screenshot it, I accidentally cut her name off. So I'm not sure what her name was on Twitter, but she tweeted, quote, you don't need any more empowerment events or webinars, period. You need to do the work. I'm going to read it again. She said, you don't need any more empowerment events or webinars. You need to do the work. And so I saw it and it really struck a nerve. And I'm going to tell you why it struck a nerve. It triggered me. But I clicked on the tweet. I scrolled down and I started reading the replies to it because everyone knows, every Twitter user knows that the best stuff is in the replies. You have to look at the replies because that's where the best stuff is. So the first reply under the tweet was, quote, information overload leads to paralysis and then nothing happens. I'm going to read it again. (laughs) She said, information overload leads to paralysis and then nothing happens. And when I saw it again, it struck a nerve with me because during this quarantine, I have been taking full advantage of some of the free resources floating around the Internet in terms of writing, screenwriting and video production. Right. Which is good. Like and I have encouraged you all, especially during this quarantine, to seek out um, different videos, different series, different uh, anything really that you can get your hands on that may have been items that you had to pay for initially. But during the quarantine, a lot of people have been being really nice and offering these things for free. So I have been encouraging you all to take advantage of that because it's good to have free information. But the other day, I'm going to tell you, I struck a nerve the other day, I want to say it was about three days ago, it was late at night, I'm in my living room, And I am watching this video on Variety.com And the video was Janet Mock's tips for writing Now if you don't know who Janet Mock is She is a director, a screenwriter, an author, um, a motivational speaker Like she is just everything Like if you know me, you know I love Michelle Obama You know I love Tracy Ellis Ross You know I love Janet Mock Okay, if those are my top three mmm. I never thought about a top three. Those may be my current top three. I don't know, I have to give that some thought later. But anyway, I'm watching this video on variety and it's her tips about writing. Now, never mind the fact that just an hour before I watched that video, I had just listened to a podcast and the name of the podcast is called Inside the Envelope, where she was a guest and in some kind of way, oh, it was in my YouTube recommendations. No, my YouTube subscriptions, because they have a... You know they upload their podcast to YouTube as well So you can listen to it on there It's not video, it's just literally the audio from the podcast So I was listening to it on YouTube And it's a little over an hour I think it was like an hour and 19 minutes Don't ask me how I remember that specifically But it was like an hour and 19 minutes And it was just so good And she doesn't speak a lot <laughs> Like, you know those people that you look up to That rarely do personal interviews, you know, like she does some here and there, but never really like in depth. So when I saw it, I was like an hour of her talking, let me listen to this. And it was just so informative and it was just so good. So I was like hyped off of it. So then I start watching this other video with her tips to writing on variety an hour later after this podcast is over. And while I'm watching the video I found myself knowing what she was going to say next because I had just listened to the podcast. So in a way, I felt like, dang, I could just be applying what she already said in the podcast To my own works Instead of seeking out more and more information Because I fell into this wormhole Of like let me find more videos Let me find more articles Now all of a sudden I'm on her website And seeing how she set up her website And different things that she was doing Back in 2017, 2018 And it was just like I fell into the wormhole Of like Janet Mock I just wanted to get more and more information Instead of applying the information That I had already gotten An hour ago to my own stuff And that's when I made the decision for this to be our topic of the week Because it is so often that we find something that we want to do And instead of just starting it We google how to do blah 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 Or how to start blah 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 And before we know it, we are stuck in this constant loop Or a hamster wheel just running and running or searching for more and more information on the topic and watching hours and hours of YouTube videos on it. And before you know it, a year has passed or months have passed. And now you have a notebook full of notes from everything that you've watched and you have no actual progress to show for it. And if that sounds like you, Don't be triggered. Well, you may be triggered because I was triggered, but don't worry because it's me too. I have plenty of notebooks with plenty of notes on things that I want to do that I haven't actually done. So that's why we're going to talk about that throughout this topic. Um, And then I'm going to leave you with some tips to jump off the hamster wheel and actually get stuff done with actual real progress. So the first thing you should know about this thing this feeling that we all go through is that there is an actual name for it I know right who would have thought but the name of it is called analysis paralysis and there are tons and tons and tons of articles online about this but I'm just gonna bring you the basics of it and if you do want to seek out more information after this podcast is over please by all means do so but Don't seek out the information on this strictly to deter yourself from doing the actual work of something that you should be doing. I'm side eyeing you if you are thinking about doing that. So here is some of the research that I found and why it's not so helpful to research All of the options when it comes to things that you want to do, and to make this more, I want to drive this home to a point that you can relate it to something that you actually have going on. Like, I don't want you to listen to this and think, Well, this doesn't apply to me, because more than likely it does. Um, let's say you want to be an author, let's say you want to be a screenwriter, let's say you want to be a YouTuber. Let's say you want to be a chef. Let's say you want to apply to law school or nursing school or you want to become a doctor or a dentist. Let's say, um, I don't know, you want to move to Texas or Atlanta or New York or L.A. Or let's say you want to travel to Greece. Like I'm just trying to throw options out there so you can catch one that applies to you. And if none of those apply to you, think of something That you have been wanting to do for a while now and you have been doing all this research on it, but you haven't actually done anything about it. But you've done the research, but nothing else. So think about that thing. I want you to have that at the forefront of your mind throughout this podcast episode so you can keep going back to that because that is what this podcast episode is about. So here is why it is not helpful to research all the options or to do all of this research on how to get started or how to set something up or how to get there because it's not always helpful to an extent it is, but not always. So number one, there's a psychologist. His name is Barry Schwartz and he coined the phrase paradox of choice. And this is to describe these findings that he found that while we have increased choice, You know, it allows us to have objectively better results when it comes to different things that we want to do. But at the same time, it also leads to greater anxiety, indecision, paralysis and dissatisfaction. So rather than empowering us to make better choices, Our virtually unlimited access to information often leads to greater fear of making the wrong decision, which in turn leads us to start spinning our wheels in a seemingly inescapable purgatory of analysis paralysis, all the while getting nowhere on our important projects. And that is a quote from a Forbes article that I was reading. Um, I cannot remember the name of the author, but I will link it in the description of this episode so you can read it for yourself. But I'm basically giving you the highlight reel of the article in this podcast episode. So that is a quote from the article. So basically, while we have all of this access to information, just an example, let me see. um, Applying to John Hopkins, I'm just going to throw that out there. But think of whatever it is that you thought of before that you can apply to your life. So say I want to apply to John Hopkins. I have so much information on Google. We have information at our fingertips. So I start Googling how to apply to John Hopkins. And then before I know it, I'm on YouTube watching YouTube videos of people that have applied to John Hopkins. And before I know it, I'm watching more YouTube videos of their vlogs at John Hopkins and different things along those lines. Now, that's not to say that that's a necessarily bad thing. But it becomes a bad thing when you are starting to do it and it's so subconscious like you don't even notice you're doing it just like I didn't notice the other night when I started watching the Janet Mock information like it's so subconscious and it's so small and You start doing it before you even notice you're doing it, but we have access to all of this information, so we start seeking out more and more information, and like the article said, we start getting scared that we're going to make the wrong decision, or we're going to make the wrong step, and then we are just seemingly becoming paralyzed by all of this information. It's like an overload of information and then we're just stuck on the hamster wheel again of seeking out more and more information on whatever it may have been. So the number two reason why it's not helpful to have all the options or do all the research is that the psychologist Barry Schwartz, he found that When you do all of this information and you start seeking out all of these articles and these videos to just get more and more information and research, it causes us to overthink it. And overthinking the problem makes it harder to do our best creative work. Here's an example. So during quarantine for the past five weeks, I have been taking this online screenwriting class offered by a professor at NYU's film school. I cannot think of his name. I'm terrible with names, as you all may have noticed. So he has been offering this free class and I've been taking it. I've been really enjoying it. You know, it's a really good class. So much information I've learned so much in these five weeks, more than I have learned through any YouTube video or article I've read about screenwriting. So, But the thing is related to the point that I just gave you all. At leads to overthinking and then it makes it hard to do your best creative work because during this class, I, I started out with all of these different ideas. So the name of the class is called Writing the Short and the final project is to actually write a short film. He's been giving us all the tools about story, format, research, um, protecting your work and things of that nature. But, you know, I started the class with all of these different ideas, all of these stories in my head. But I feel like I've become paralyzed from actually doing the work or actually telling the stories because I'm scared that I'm going to mess up the format or I'm scared that I'm going to mess up the protagonist's um, inner struggle or their inner need. And so it leads to overthinking and that's when it affects your creativity Inside, So especially if you are thinking about doing something creatively, if you're thinking about becoming a screenwriter, um, becoming an actress or an actor, if you're thinking about um, what's something else creatively, an author, anything that you can think of creatively. When you start doing all of this research, mind you, I'm not saying don't do your research. I'm not saying don't get more information and learn about these different um, fields. But I am saying don't seek out so much information that you become paralyzed to actually doing the work or you're just seeking out information to avoid doing the work. That's what I'm saying. So the number three tip is we know that from science and experience that overthinking increases your anxiety and it also kills your productivity. So when we become overloaded with all of this information anxiety pops up and it starts to build and build and build and then that is how you become paralyzed from actually doing the work and if you're paralyzed you can't get anything done so you have no productivity going for yourself number four overthinking kills your willpower which is extremely related to the point that i just gave but here's a quote from the article and i found this to be very interesting it says, quote, a fascinating study published by the National Academy of Science looked at the decisions of parole board judges over a 10-month period. They found that judges were significantly more likely to grant parole earlier in the morning and immediately after a full break. Cases that came before judges at the end of long sessions were more likely to be denied. This phenomenon held true over 1,100 cases, regardless of the severity of the crime. Like, isn't that crazy? Anyway, the quote goes on. What explains these surprising findings? Question mark The judges were experiencing what psychologists call decision fatigue. Each decision that we make, I want y'all to really get this one because when I read this, I was like, wow. And today I've been trying to, you know, practice to avoid decision fatigue, but anyway, it says, each decision that we make, from whether or not to hit snooze, to what outfit we'll wear, to what we'll eat for lunch, draws on the same limited supply of willpower. You can think of willpower as a muscle. The more you use it, the more it wears out, leaving you feeling overwhelmed and exhausted. That's why so many dieters start out strong at the beginning of the day with a healthy breakfast and lunch, only to succumb to the temptations of junk food from the office break room in the afternoon. Actions that we take automatically, like brushing our teeth, take little willpower. However, when we antagonize over a decision, we deplete our limited supply of willpower much more quickly causing us to feel exhausted and overwhelmed. Now, not only does this decision fatigue inhibit our ability to clearly assess the situation at hand, it also makes us more likely to choose unhealthy food, skip exercise and put off working on side projects in favor of watching TV. In short, overanalyzing a decision makes it much more difficult to make high quality long-term choices later on. So, While there is a case to be made about preparation and getting more information to learn and prepare, you know, while you can, there's a difference between seeking out more information because you genuinely don't know about a particular topic and seeking out more information because you're stalling from doing the actual work. For example, say you want to write a book, you want to become an author. Do you really need to be researching publishers, like who to email when the book is done, what store you can sell your book in? If you haven't actually written the book, like can't those searches wait? Can't that information wait until you've actually started writing the book So all of that contributes to analysis paralysis because instead of focusing on the actual writing of said book, you're now focused on the steps following, you know, what will be useful for you when the book is actually done. So with that being said, I wanted to leave you all with some tips I found online and also some that I, you know, dug deep down inside and pulled out (laughs) from the dark, deep recesses of my mind to share with you all. So I hope that these will be helpful in terms of actually getting the work done and not letting information overload hinder your actual progress. So number one, practice makes perfect sometimes. (laughs) And this is a point that's coming from me because I took piano from, oh, I took piano lessons. I cannot remember when I started. I want to say I was in elementary school and I took them up until... 11th or 10th grade, I believe, when my piano teacher retired. So I took piano lessons for a very long time. But I said that to say that in our piano lessons, we had two recitals a year. We had a winter recital where we would play Christmas songs and we had a spring recital where we would play, you know, all kinds of songs. She would just like have all of these different piano sheets and you basically, she would like, (laughs) I miss piano, she would demo a song. So I I was lucky enough to be the first um, student of the day So I would always have like first dibs on the song that I wanted to play for the recital Because I would be the first person in there So she would lay out the piano music across this long table And she would, you know, let me look and see what I may have wanted to hear I would hand her one, she will play a little bit of it Mm, I don't really know about that one I'll hand her another one She'll play a little bit of it Okay, I like that one And then you will be stuck with that song Until the recital came So I said that Because we would practice endlessly For these recitals when the time came And I want to say we started practicing About like two or three months Before the recitals But when it started getting closer and closer To the recital dates She would always tell us not to practice too much especially the week of so I would always memorize my pieces you could take the paper up there but I tried to memorize it because you know if it's a back-to-back sheet of paper I didn't want to deal with like having to lift a hand up and flip it over so I could see the other side like it was just much easier to me to memorize it so I would memorize it and in the we would practice at these these churches The church that I went to had three pianos. So she would have a student in there with her. You could have a break. You know, you can go to another piano room or you can go to the third piano that was located in the actual church. But if she heard someone who was good, so say if I was playing and she knew I knew my song. But she could hear me in the other piano room and she heard me start messing up even though she knew I knew my song She would send someone in there to tell me to stop (laughs) She would say go tell her to get off the piano and go do something else go do some homework or something And I never understood why she would do that But when I was thinking about this topic, I was like it's analysis paralysis It is the hinder, you know, you're hindering yourself by doing all this practicing knowing that you know the song. So I wanted to give you all that tip that practice makes perfect sometimes. And not in terms of piano. I'm not telling you this in terms of piano, but in terms of whatever it is that you're trying to pursue, it is good to practice. But you have to actually get to the recital part. You actually have to get to the performance part. Don't wear yourself out Um, because you start doing all this practicing and then you get in your head like was that the note or was that the step that that person on YouTube told me to do am I messing this up actually get to the recital actually get to the part where you are having to perform first you know put the practice in but don't overwhelm yourself so practice but don't do it to an extent that you start stressing yourself out Second tip, and this tip is particularly for people that are doing things on a computer because there are so many distractions. I love computers. I love technology to an extent, but there are just so many distractions and it can be so hard to win yourself off of them. So when I was watching Janet Mott's video, she was saying that when she writes scripts, she does it longhand or... She writes on legal pads instead of typing the scripts up in her computer. So she writes longhand first before she types it up. And she says that when she does that, it helps her from self-editing. But I couldn't help but think about how helpful that is. Um, Not just for stopping herself from self-editing, but also from not being distracted by the computer. There are so many times that I open my laptop and I have all intentions of working on something. And before I know it, I have opened up a tab and I've started doing something completely different. So if you can, if there's a way for you to put the phones on silent, pull out actual pen and paper, if you can do that and jot down or pencil out whatever it is um, that you're doing first, before hopping on the computer do that because another example is of a script that I was writing so I had a notebook and I had started writing it in this notebook and you know when you're writing on paper it's just so different from writing on a computer so I'm writing it in this notebook And for some reason, I convinced myself that I should just type it up. Why am I writing this? Let me just type it up. So I open up Final Draft, which is a screenwriting software, and I start typing up what I had written. And without even noticing it, like before I knew it, I had clicked over on google chrome opened up a youtube tab and i started watching videos on how to format a script and by the time i'm five videos in all of my motivation and creativity is gone so that's why i say if you can whatever it is that you're doing write it out first before involving technology or opening your computer because it's so easy to be thrown off course by going online um which leads me to my next point And this point is from the article that I was reading and it says, curb your curiosity. So one of the culprits contributing to analysis paralysis are details, specifically the desire to excavate deeper and deeper every new detail that arrives on scene to satiate the intellectual curiosity that yearns for more information and therefore stalls your progress set perimeters for yourself for what you need to know now and what you would like to know in the future. If the information you have now answers the call, it's time to move forward. And going back to the example I gave you all about writing a book, the example of this is, you know, whatever it is you need to know now to actually start writing the book, that's the information that you look up and you limit yourself to how much you actually need to know the other stuff the publishers um I don't know um publishing companies people that make book covers all of that can wait that's stuff that you look up in the future but the stuff that you need to know now for example how many pages should a novel be Um, Different things like that, things that are actually applicable to what you're doing currently. That's what you can look up. But don't overwhelm yourself with so many details that you become paralyzed with the progress. Next tip, recognize that the moons will never align. So no matter how much information you have, there will always be more and more information out there just google anything any question that you have you're going to find endless pages on google about that question or that topic and i can guarantee you there are 50 people right now at home in a bookstore somewhere writing about that particular topic so as much as you research it you're never going to consume all of the information and you're only going to hinder yourself by trying to do that so decisions um will only be optimal if you don't try to consume so much information. There are, however, optimal moments during which decisions can be made. So remember, just because you arrive at one conclusion doesn't mean that you can never adapt a new one. So just because you heard um, a tip from someone about how to write this book or how to apply to this school doesn't mean that down the road you can take a tip from someone else or get more information. But don't just try to overwhelm yourself with information. Install your actual progress. And a next tip that came from the article was stair-step your decisions. So rather than looking at the decision to be made as a one-time main event, Consider smaller yet actionable decisions that can be made now or that can lead up to the main one. Even just the tiniest shift of momentum can have a positive snowball effect that wriggles you out of paralysis associated with making the perfect, air quotes, decision. The last... um. The last tip, and I feel like is probably the best tip for you to apply. If you don't apply anything else that you heard in this podcast to your life, this is the one that you need to apply. And this one is to set a drop dead date. This is the date that you absolutely positively have to be done with whatever it is that you are doing. So this one is very hard for me. I'm being honest. This one is super hard for me. Um, When you're trying to keep yourself on track, it is so easy. It is so easy to not hold yourself accountable. Example. I like giving examples because I just feel like hopefully it helps you all apply it to something that you have going on as opposed to me just like telling you all of this stuff and then not giving you a real life example that... You can apply to yourself. So right now I'm working on creating these trailers. There is a festival that I am making these trailers for. The trailers um, are going to run on social media. And it's about, let me see, I think it's about nine or ten trailers, maybe more. I think it's about nine or ten trailers that I have to make. The festival is in June. So next month, this is basically The middle of May and I got this assignment a few days ago two days ago I told myself I wrote in my calendar that I needed to finish two trailers by Saturday and then I needed to finish two more trailers by Sunday it is so easy for me to say you know for Saturday to come and me to say well I'll just do those two trailers tomorrow and then tomorrow I'll just make four trailers But then the next day comes, Sunday comes, and now I'm overwhelmed because I have to make four trailers. Why didn't I do those two yesterday to take some of the weight off my shoulders? That's how it becomes. It becomes like a snowball effect. So one tip I have for this, if it is hard for you like it is me, although I did finish those two trailers yesterday. I did finish those two trailers on Saturday, and I do still have to do the two trailers today. But I started one. I did start one. But if you are anything like me and you have a hard time just holding yourself accountable about getting things done, find an accountability partner and just realize that you don't have all the time in the world. You do not have all the time in the world to get things done because it's so easy for us to say, well, I'll just do it tomorrow or well, I'll just do it next week. It can wait. Actually, no, it can't. Like I try to consider all possible outcomes like Well, say if something comes up tomorrow, if there's an emergency and I needed this to be done, and that takes away three days, um, I would have rather have gotten it done. Example. So, my accountability partner is my mom. So, I told her yesterday... I was like, I need to finish these two trailers today, and I need to finish the other two trailers tomorrow, and I need you to make sure that I finish them. So all day, she was, you know, I was on the computer editing all day yesterday, but she was reminding me she left and went to the store, and before she left, she was like, Don't forget the trailers. So find someone like that. And if you don't have anyone in home or anyone that can check in on you from time to time, text you or call you to see how you're doing, create an imaginary boss. Now this one is going to, sound a little weird, but hear me out here. Create an imaginary boss and the boss is going to be you. I'm actually going to post this meme on the Carefree and Black Diaries Instagram page if you want a visual of what I'm talking about. But there is this meme. I don't know if you all remember the show um, Scared Straight. It was like a bunch of bad kids and they would take the kids to their local jails and the prisoners. That was actually kind of cruel now that I think about it. That was actually very scary now that I think about it they would have like these prisoners yelling at them but it was the objective of the show was to scare them straight which is very bad now that I'm like saying it out loud But anyway, they would try to scare them straight. And there is this meme where it's a little boy and there is a prisoner in his face and he's like yelling at him. And I posted it on my personal Instagram story because that is how I imagine my imaginary boss. Like if I can't have anyone to hold me accountable or if I can't ask anyone to check in on me from time to time to make sure I'm doing what I need to be doing, I imagine My imaginary boss, which is me, which is big Shakira, (laughs) looking over my shoulder or tapping me on my shoulder like, girl, you have a deadline to me. You need to get this done. Now, like put down the phone, get off of Twitter, go record that podcast episode or go write or go edit that video. You know what you need to be doing. Go do it. So create an imaginary boss. You know, it's not crazy. It's you. It's not crazy to imagine yourself getting on yourself (laughs) like you have to do what you have to do to make things shake so those are all the tips that i have for you but i want you to realize that the root of analysis paralysis is overthinking um the root of it is also the pursuit of perfection and also fear of failure so don't avoid doing the work because you are scared of failing or scared of doing it the wrong way um Don't avoid doing the work because you want it to be perfect the first time. And don't overthink yourself out of doing the actual work. You can always go back and correct it. You can always go back and edit. You can always go back and build upon what you have already completed. But if you have nothing to show, if you have no work done for all of the research that you have read and watched videos on, then what's the point? There is none. So that is all I have for you all today. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Carefree and Black Diaries and also on Twitter at Carefree Black Pod. Both of those are linked in the description of this podcast episode. Stay black and carefree. And we'll see you next week in next week's episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.